The schedule is finally back to normal. We have a home-and-home series with UConn this weekend, and Matt from the UConn Hockey Podcast joined us to preview it. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 70 of high character today we are joined by a very special guest matt from the yukon hockey podcast is joining us to preview the upcoming series with yukon you can find him over at yukon hockey pod on twitter and instagram he does great work for all things yukon hockey matt how you doing man good how are you guys thank you so much for having me on good of course it's nice to uh get some some yukon um knowledge in here we uh just hopped on the UConn Hockey Podcast to do um, Matt's preview episode for this series. And now we're going to um, do some more high character stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Evan, how are you doing? Sorry, I was going to say, it was, it was sound a little bit weird. I was like, where's the, where's the uh, joined today by my good pal, Evan? Evan, how you doing, man? I was like, <laughs> where is that? Like, feels like we're just completely going against the normal routine of things. But, um, yeah, tangent aside, doing great, as usual. Definitely happy to hear that we're doing episode 70. Like, that just sounds weird. Like. We're getting, you guys we're been doing, doing this for a year, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, basically, what, yeah. But the end of this month, we'll end up making a year. Like that's absolutely insane to think about. Like, yeah, we're closer to a hundred than we are to you know zero. Like that's just crazy. Like how how close we are to making the the big one hundred there. But uh, yeah, doing great. Really happy to get into this episode because I think UConn will be a definitely a test for sure. Because even UNH was a test for us at this point. So I mean, really, we just only only way to go is up and uh. Yeah, definitely looking to get into this episode. Yeah, for sure. And UConn, um, they started out the season really hot. Um, I, I guess they've kind of receded a little bit. They still come in number 18 in the pairwise, 13-7-3 on the season. Not too many shocking things on their schedule. I did see a 6 nothing loss to Cornell. Um, I know Cornell's pretty decent, but that one was a little alarming. But everything else seems pretty standard for uh, where UConn's at right now. Uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about UConn, something we might not know, not seeing them every day like you do. Yeah, this UConn team is very talented. Obviously, they lost a lot of key players from last year's team, but they're still adding in a lot of key players, like obviously Matthew Wood. He's going to be a first-round pick in the 2023 NHL draft, so he's a key player. They added Arseny Sergeyev as one of their goalies. He's a seventh-round pick. And then Samu Salmaman, he's a Finnish player, but he was a third-round draft pick for the New Jersey Devils. So they had some really high-caliber freshmen and some transfers as well. So this UConn team hasn't really missed a beat from last year. Like you said, they started off the season really strong, but they've started to regress as the season has gone on. And that's sort of my big like worry with this team is whenever they play in these big games against really tough opponents, I haven't seen too much good things from them sometimes, which is a little alarming because at the Cornell game, like you mentioned, that was at Madison Square Garden. That's a big game and they did not play well at all. And then they lost frozen Fenway game and then they lost their first game at Toscano Ice Arena as well, the opening game. So I've been a little worried about how they haven't performed in big games and how they struggled sometimes against ranked teams, but they're still a talented team. And I think when they can put it together, they're a really solid team that can win a, a lot of hockey games. Yeah, I think so too. The um, kind of narrative around UConn lately has been just very solid program. I'm looking at their schedule going forward, though. It doesn't seem like they really have a path to get that pairwise back to 15th or so to get that automatic bid. 
Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think it depends on what other teams do. Like if some other teams follow the pairwise and UConn continues to win, they can definitely find themselves back in there. But the two losses against Northeastern uh, in the last two games really hurt UConn's pairwise chances because they were top 10 in pairwise at one point in November. And now they're, like you said, 18th. So it's a little bit of a significant drop off, which is tough to see. And I thought there were winnable games too. Like last game against Northeastern, they played really well, but unfortunately just a penalty and a bad defensive mistake really cost UConn in that one. And obviously Devin Levi is one of the best goalies in hockey. So he's going to steal you some games as well, but uh, it's just sometimes frustrating when the team plays really well and you don't get a result out of it. Yeah. Kind of a similar season path that UMass has had. Obviously UMass um, a little bit tougher. They come in number 26 in the pairwise now, which oof, they, uh, how that mighty have fallen since the start of the season nine ten and three uh evan why don't you refresh our lovely viewers on what we've seen so far from umass i mean yeah we we mentioned this basically every preview episode i mean we started off the season red hot knocking off number one denver twice you know the whole sweep i think at one point we were ranked i think fourth in the nation i think was the highest that we we got um people were clamoring for number one ranked votes i think after that time because we knocked off number one didn't happen kind of starting to see why that didn't happen it might have been deserved um yeah I mean we started off red hot you know I think we won I think taking out of taking the AIC game out of the account I mean we basically won our first like five or six um in a row I'm pretty sure absolutely dominated union um just getting wins all over the place and then I think we get to basically the Merrimack series and that was kind of where it started to fell apart a little bit um you know, we, we let up that goal 30 seconds left, tended to OT, and then we lose an OT. Um, we ended up getting, the, I think, the win on the on the, the rubber match right after, though, in, in OT. I think Taylor McCarr got the winner in that one. That's a nice memory to think about, especially considering the fact that we are on a three-game losing streak right now. So I'm trying to think of as many nice moments as humanly possible to try and get the morale back up. But, um, yeah, things have been tough, you know, the past couple months. We started off really good, and now – after, after like the big losing streak that we had in the middle of the season and we're kind of just bouncing around trying to get wins whenever we can in the UNH game, you know, you know, if you guys watch the recap of that episode 69, nice. Um, it wasn't a nice game, all things considered. So yeah, we're really just trying to get, scrounge any sort of points and just any sort of positives that we can at this point, because not a lot of stuff's going well, you know, we're on our third goalie of the season at this point. The defense hasn't been amazing and the scoring has been quite frankly anemic recently. So nothing's really going in our favor. We're just trying to find at least one bright spot going forward against this UConn team. And I'm hoping that it comes at least one out of the two games this weekend. Yeah. And our thoughts about UMass at the moment are pretty well documented. If you want the full in-depth, go check out some of our game recaps, the BU and the UNH one, especially um, we we were running hot and got our full thoughts out there. So um, UConn, they seem to have a little more promise this season, uh, much more of an opportunity to make some noise, I think, in the Hockey East tournament. Um, and they're led by uh, some some nice star power up front. Uh, Ryan Torberg, uh, he's the leading scorer. He's got 10 goals and 10 assists for 20 points, uh, which is really good. Um, they have a, a bunch of guys stacked up near the top. And the, the scoring is pretty healthily distributed, I guess, of the goals. So uh, Matt, what do you what are your thoughts on um, UConn in terms of offensive firepower this year? Yeah, they definitely have a lot of depth. That's one of the things I really like about this team. Like you mentioned, Ryan Torberg, he's one of their top scorers. But I think my one problem with Torberg, I don't want to rag on him a little bit, is he can be inconsistent sometimes. But it doesn't hurt UConn because they have so much depth. 
Like I mentioned, Matthew Wood, he's a 17-year-old freshman, and he's second on the team in points in 19. Andrew Lucas, he was a transfer from Vermont. He's been lights out for that defense, really solid offensive defenseman. He's third on the team with points. But then you also have guys that contribute like Hudson Shandor, Chase Bradley, Nick Capone, and Samu Salman, along with Jake Percival. And I really think those players are really solid for UConn. They don't get as much, I guess, praise as they should, like in regards to the hockey's like media, but they're really solid players and they can definitely, they contribute a lot and they obviously find ways to score goals. And it's what's nice is when one guy's not going, one guy is, and it's really just a lot of depth, which I think is important. And it's one of the, it's what gives me confidence. This is UConn team can go on a run and potentially win a hockey's championship this year. Yeah. Having a 17 year old contributing uh, in a, decently big way is uh shocking so um that's definitely pretty cool and something to to rally behind as a team UMass has had uh similar success with younger guys obviously we've, we've documented Kenny Connors Tyson Dick Cole O'Hara the likes um they're right up near the top of the the scoring sheet but Scott Morrow has really rocketed back up he's got five goals 15 assists and also 20 points to to lead the team in scoring right now and uh yeah I don't know Evan what, what are your thoughts on who needs to take a step up, I guess, to somebody's got to break this streak of just, I, I think we were talking about it the other day that we haven't scored five, was it four or five goals in a game in months? Yeah. It's been basically since I think the end of October, it was basically since the union series. Like yeah. we, we absolutely obliterated union. Like they're, I don't think they've financially recovered since like they've just been <laughs> absolutely destroyed. And um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, it seems like we've used up all of our goals for the year at that time. You know what I mean? Like every team is allotted, you know, 80 goals at the start of the season. You can spread them out however you wish. We put everything into that series, and then we just forgot how to score. Like, I, I don't know what happened. I, I think the, the way that we have to try and change it is I think we just need better scoring depth. Like, part of me wants to say that we need, you know, the first line to step up and do more. I, I don't know. I think the main problem is, is that we only have two scoring lines. The other two lines genuinely do not know how to score for the life of them. Like... I, I understand that that might not be their role in their job in the team. But like, when I look back at the teams that we've had that have been really, really good, like national championship, you know, or just, you know, tournament level teams, all four lines have at least one threat on them. You know, like, like when I think of guys like Anthony Del Gaizo from a couple of years ago, he, he got his points, you know, he was basically a power forward, you know, like he would, he would throw hands after the whistle. He was kind of an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the way it is, but he could also score. He had other ways of contributing. And, I feel like guys that have kind of taken his place on this team, that fourth line center role or that third line spot, you know, I'm looking at guys like Jerry Harding, you know, Ryan Sullivan, Eric Faith, like even Josh Nodler, like our first line center has five points. Like I get that that's not his job. He's there to win faceoffs and, you know, be decent defensively. He's basically the Josh Lapina replacement from last year. But, you know, we, we, the, when I look at this team, I see all these guys that have, you know, 15 or more games played. And they only have five or five or so points, you know, five points or less. That's concerning. Like we have a decent top end of eight guys with at least 10 points a season. That's decent. You know what I mean? Two, you know, two of those guys are defensemen. So we really only have six decent forwards, which would you look at that? That's two scoring lines. You know what I mean? Everybody else is kind of not doing a whole lot. And, you know, it's, it's super frustrating to see. I mean, we don't really have, you know, goal scorers on the team. When we score goals, it seems like 90% of the time I'm looking at it and I'm like, how the hell did we score that? You know, it just kind of ended up in the net somehow. It's not like some crazy snipe, you know, Kenny Connors hasn't had a nasty, you know, snipe goal from like the mid slot for a couple, couple months now. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's it just doesn't seem like we have consistent goal scoring at all and I'm hoping we can at least get goal scoring from all parts of the lineup going forward like I don't because we don't have a guy that's going to take over games we don't have Bobby Trevino we don't have Kale McCarr we don't have those guys right now so if we're not going to have one guy to just go ham at any given moment at least have 23 guys out on the ice that can go a little ham you know just do something so that's that's kind of where I stand on it yeah, it's the goal scoring certainly been an issue lately. Um, and with the goaltending for UConn coming in, it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better without some drastic changes. Um, I think Matt will be able to make this goaltender situation a little bit clearer to us. But for, from what I see right on the surface, there's two guys who are getting a, a decent amount of time. Uh, forgive me, please, for the pronunciation of these names, but Ars- Arsenai Serge? Arsen- Arseny Sergey, I think Arsen- is how you say it. He's Arseny a Russian goalie. Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> I was way off on that. He's yeah, got 11, 11 games started, 2.55 goals per game and a 9.18 save percentage. And then they also have Logan Ternes, who has 12 games started, 2.52 goals per game and a 9.10 save percentage. So almost identical stats from both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you, what do you see happening in this series, Matt, in regards to UConn's goaltending? Yeah, so UConn's been rotating between two goalies, the ones you mentioned, Logan Ternes and Arseny Sergeev. Um, my guess is Arseny's going to get the Friday start. And then Logan's probably going to get the Saturday start because Logan started last Saturday. They only played one game. Uh, they're both very good goalies, but they're different. Arseny, if you watch UConn's warmups, you can notice the difference. Arseny's a big goalie, and Logan's more of a smaller goalie. But Arseny relies a lot of his, on a lot of his athleticism, while Logan's more of a fundamental goalie. And the one, I guess, the one, I guess, negative about Arseny is he can be raw sometimes and. Some I th- when he started off the year, he was very rebound heavily, and he sometimes got out of position, which led to some goal- questionable goals. But as the season has progressed, I think he's been really solid, and he's become one of UConn's better goalies uh, this season. And then Logan, he's been very solid as well. He started off the year very well, but my one concern with him is his confidence. He started that Cornell 6 nothing game, and then he started a game against Merrimack, which they lost 7-3. to and then obviously that he started last game against Northeastern where UConn had a heartbreaking loss. And even though those games weren't his fault, in my opinion, I think that's something to be concerned about because when you lose those tough games, how does that affect your confidence? Because I think confidence is a huge thing in goaltending, but UConn has two really solid goalies. They're two sort of different goalies, but I definitely think they can get the job done. The big question for, from a UConn perspective is who's going to get the start um, in the playoffs and it's sort of similar to what Matt Murray and Philip Lindbergh had a couple of years ago when they sort of rotated between those two guys. And then eventually they obviously went with Philip Lindbergh to start in the tournament and hockey's playoff games. And I'm interested to see which guy Mike Kavanaugh rolls with uh, when playoff time comes around. But at least for the rest of the regular season, it's definitely going to be a rotation between Turnus and Sergeyev. And they're both really solid goalies. And I'm interested to see what they're going to do, especially since they were just announced that they were on the Mike Richter watch list. So they're definitely, um, I'm, I think they're two really solid goalies. Yeah. That's really awesome to have two guys with totally different play styles, but they have almost identical stats. Yeah. They feel like that's fun to watch. Who got the the start in frozen Fenway? Arseny Sergeyev did. So they played two games um, against Northeastern. One was frozen Fenway. And then the next week they played against Northeastern again, which was the home rank opener. And Logan got the home rank opener start, and then Arseny got the frozen Fenway start. So that's why what leads me to believe that Arseny will probably get Friday night start, and then Logan will probably get Saturday start. Interesting. So multiple big games, and they're still going with different guys. So mm-hmm. kind of hard to have a lead on who's the the main yeah. one for the. Playoff. Yeah, right now I would probably say Sergeyev, um, but 
I, it's it could change so much because at the beginning of the season, it was more people were leaning towards Tornet to get the playoff start. But it's going to be interesting to see what Cav does at the end of the year. I guess I think as the season progresses, we might have a better idea if one guy starts to get hot, maybe Cav starts rolling with that guy. But like I said, it's hard to tell right now, even at the middle of January, which is pretty crazy to say. But it's a testament to how both have played so far this year because they've both been really good. Yeah, similar question marks for UMass on the goaltender side of things for completely different reasons. Um, Evan and I really dove into it in the last episode, kind of getting our thoughts out there. I'm imagining you haven't switched up and you think Henry Graham is going to get at least the first game against UConn, Evan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt, Matt said it, you know, talking about confidence in their goalies. You know, I mean, I feel like if we're going to talk about a goalie having some confidence right now, it's probably Henry Graham. You know, he's the third string walk-on, now probably the backup. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole situation and, you know, because I feel like everybody that's listened to this, you know, podcast fully knows well, you know, what's been going on with that. But yeah, I mean, I'm still expecting it to be Henry Graham. He didn't play poorly enough against UNH to warrant getting, you know, kicked out of that starting role. I mean, as weird as it sounds, you know, you figure you're losing a, you know, kind of a really, really bad pairwise game, you know, against UNH, you know, three to one granted only two of the goals were with him in net because the third one was an empty netter that we, had a solid 15 minute conversation about on the last episode. Um, yeah. I mean, Graham's been the guy so far. He, he hasn't looked that bad. I mean, I was extremely concerned when I heard that he was getting a start in that because I had no idea what to expect and he looked decent. You know, he's, he's been putting in, you know, I think it's basically three games worth of ice time, even though he's played in five games, but two of them were relief efforts. Um, yeah. He's been making the saves he's supposed to like, He's even made some of the saves he's not supposed to, you know, like for example, the BU uh, game right at the very end, there was like two seconds left. It could have be, it could have became a seven, two game. He keeps it to be, you know, he keeps it six, two, like, Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like granted, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but just the ability to make nasty saves right on the goal line like that with two seconds left, you know, he wasn't even facing the puck. He was flopping around like Dominic Hasek, you know, he had no idea where the puck was even at, but. It, he doesn't he doesn't make it look sexy, but he's making the saves and that's all that matters. So I'm going to ride with him until, you know, he, he shows us that he's not worthy of being, you know, g- going forward with. But that's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, all signs kind of point towards him getting a start on Friday. And it would not shock me at all if he plays well to see him play Saturday as well. Um, I have my own uh, thoughts about that. I do think you should start to mix Pav back in a little bit more, but we'll have to see with what this coaching staff goes with. It's going to be interesting for sure. Definitely. All right. So uh, that's kind of all we have for players. I guess we can jump into kind of our keys to the game here. A couple stats for UConn that really jumped out to me this season, only 14.6% on the power play and uh, really low 45.8% in face-off. So um, two areas that UMass kind of specials in UConn um, has really not shown up in. Matt, has that like affected this season has that been kind of a big topic or has it been a kind of a moot point uh in my opinion I think it's been starting to become a big topic because the power play has been a big reason why they've lost some of these games because they've had opportunities to sort of tie games or get the lead and they haven't converted on their power play chances a big example was their last game of the first half against BU where they could have gotten back in that game because they had some power play opportunities and they they couldn't they couldn't convert on any of them and they ended up losing that game so I think 
it's funny because the power play started off really well this year, but now it's starting to sort of digress in a bad way. So I think this is a series, though, where UConn can start getting their power play back because I think UMass takes a lot of dis- undisciplined penalties. And when you get so many power play opportunities, you're going to convert on one of them, especially since UConn does have the ta- talented players to do so. So if there's any series for the power play to start getting momentum back, it's this one. But the power play definitely hasn't been that good as of late. And then faceoffs have been a struggle, but not too much of a concern because they've won games where they've lost a lot of faceoffs. And part of it is because they they lost some key um, faceoff players like Artem Schlein and Jakob Connolly from last year, and they're trying to replace them. But Samu, I think, has been getter, getting better at his faceoffs, and Hudson has been as well. But it's definitely something they need to work on because that could um, hurt you in some big games. Because I noticed last year, Josh Lapina was great on the faceoff dot, and that was a key reason why UMass had success against UConn in the Hockey's mm-hmm. Championship game. Yeah, totally. And we uh, did not mention at the start, this is a rematch of the hockey. You don't need to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Definitely a a great time in UMass history for sure. Um, And I guess to me, it seems like UConn's, um, I guess, struggles in big games, not even just this season, but uh, tipping into last season as well, um, has been pretty apparent. Is that a topic that um, you and other UConn fans think about a lot? Is that concerning for you uh yes because you know up until last year UConn never won a playoff game in hockey east and then they finally got it done last year they did beat northeastern in the hockey semifinals but like I mentioned this year you know they have a big game at Madison Square Garden against Cornell and they lay an egg they lose six nothing and then they have a big game at Frozen Fenway and yeah they played well during stretches of that game but they really couldn't find a way to score a goal and they lost that game and then last week they have the big home rink opener at Toscano, which is a big deal because a lot of people have been talking about this new rink finally happening. And once it's finally real, UConn plays very well, but then they find a way to lose that game in the third period. And it's it's something to be concerned about because at the end of the day, if you want to win a championship, you're going to have to play a big game in the national tournament, the Frozen Four, and obviously a hockey's championship. That's a big game as well in a neutral site in a big NHL arena. And you got to find a way to win those games. And Unfortunately, as of right now, UConn hasn't really given me the confidence that they can do that as of yet. Yeah, that's been one thing for me as a UMass fan that I'm really upset about is UMass losing all of that playoff experience uh, type players that we they've yeah. had a lot of over the last four or five years. Um, Evan, what are you what are you thinking for this series? Any keys to the game? So one thing I was going to ask Matt about, actually, um, I, I just in my head formulated a potential response that you might have for this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. So I'm going to run a couple of names by you, do like a little like word association thing. And I don't know if you can like shed some light as to what's going on with these specific players. So like one word response or just anything? Well, no, you, you can like uh, go into a complete another explanation. Uh, like I'm trying to basically lead you into a topic. Um, so Ryan Torberg, uh, Chase Bradley, Justin Pearson, and... Houston Cartman mm-hmm. um I don't know if you can think of anything that all those players might share you know I'll give you like five seconds to think about it or something like that but they're definitely physical players like Torberg, like you wouldn't think is a physical guy but the guy can't throw his body around and we saw it last year when Cal Kifu got kicked out of a game for punching him in the face I don't know if you guys remember that yeah. so yeah. I think when I, when I think about those four players they can definitely be physical Pearson I think isn't as physical as the other three guys as you mentioned but he can't throw his body around um, but that's sort of what, if I had to have one big association with those guys, it's definitely their physicality because Houston Cartman, he joined, he didn't play at all until December. And when he joined, he 
I think it was because of his physicality because first game he played, he was just throwing big hits around. So um, that's been, that's sort of my big association and Chase Bradley can lay the body very well too. It's just sometimes you can be undisciplined with it, which is a little frustrating. So that was the part I was going to get to because I was going to ask if you think that they might've been too physical because mm-hmm. the, the thing that I was going to point out about all four of those players is they have more penalty minutes than games played. Um, oh yeah, no, it's, Torvberg, I love the guy, but the guy does take a lot of penalties. Same with Chase Bradley. Houston Cartman did get a five-minute major at first okay. Fenway with like five seconds left in the game, so that's probably why his penalty minutes are up. Yep. But I don't think with him I'm too concerned with his penalty minutes because he's supposed to be a physical player. Yep. Maybe he needs to tone it down a little bit, but if he takes, if he makes a big hit and he gets called for it, but it motivates the boys and they have a big kill, then I'm honestly willing to take that. So, And then Pearson – I think I haven't really noticed him taking too many penalties. Maybe it's been more spread out um, than usual, but uh, yeah, he, he's just been sort of a solid veteran that the team has added. He's a grad transfer from Yale. Um, I really like Justin Pearson. I think he's really helped out the freshmen, especially Matthew Wood, because they've had been on the same line for a little bit. So yeah, I think Pearson, Pearson's been a good player. I'm not too worried about his penalty minutes, but the other three with Torberg and Bradley, that's something they definitely need to work on. And then for Cartman, I'm not too concerned about his penalty minutes because that's sort of what his role is. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I'm just wondering if that could be something that UMass could potentially take advantage of. I mean, that's they can definitely annoy. They can definitely, like, agitate some of those guys. Yeah. Like, like one thing I hate about Bobby Trevino is he found a way to get penalty minutes. Like, yep. remember the hockey's championship game? Like, he pissed off Nick Capone, and Capone got a penalty against him in the first period. Yep. So there's definitely ways. You, I think you can definitely agitate some of these UConn guys. Um, and make them take penalties. So um, that's one thing that you kind of work on is being a little more disciplined and not try to take the bait. But um, there's you can still a younger team where that can happen at times. Yeah, because well, I was just gonna say like my main point was I think the the, the penalty kill and the power play like our special teams I think are gonna have to be super important. Like I think mm-hmm. the moment that we go on a penalty kill, it's gonna be tough for for Henry Graham. You know because like we've been saying. UConn's super speedy, super skilled. Like they can take advantage of the power play, even though their metric, like their their metrics might not show it, you know. But I definitely mm-hmm. think that, you know, that could be a really, really big point of contention. And I think, you know, if we can have some power plays on our end and if we can, you know, force, you know, some bad penalties out of UConn, that just means it'll lighten the load on on Henry Graham. And I think we'll be able to get a lot of, you know, really precious zone time that we frankly we had a lot of it in the first period against UNH, but then it completely went away after the, you know, basically halfway through the second. So I'm hoping if we can get back to our more, you know, possession dominant ways, then that'll really, really do wonders for us. And it'll really help us get back on track. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the game from last year at Mullins, but there was like a five on three and UConn killed it. And I think that was a huge momentum for UConn Mm -hmm. to sort of win that game on the road. And then they, I think they scored a power play goal in the first period, if I'm not mistaken in that game. And yeah, Yeah. I think special teams are going to be huge in this series because I think UConn has one of the best penalty kills in the country. And um, I think that's, it's a good thing because if you could sort of, if they can start to kill those penalties, maybe UMass starts to lose confidence in their power play. And that's something that you kind of sort of take advantage of using that speed and skill and physicality that they have and expose some of the weaknesses that the UMass defense has. Definitely. Yeah. That series last year was a fun one. I believe each road team won. Yeah. Two. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which was cool to see. And obviously the hockey's championship last year. That, so. that game was crazy. Like I remember, I think I saw Evan like right before overtime and I was like, I'm so like sweating real. Yep, I was shaking that whole time. Anytime there's a big game that goes to overtime, I genuinely like my hand will start like doing this. Like I wear a Fitbit now, like anytime there's like any crazy sort of like overtime action or something like that, my heart rate will go to like 140. Like I'm watching <laughs> a hockey game, bro. Like I have a higher heart rate than some of the players out there. It's like, what's yeah. going on here? Like it's I just insane. remember when Bollinger got that goal, I was like, just I felt like my the soul left my body it was so sad because that team was so fun to watch for UConn because they were the underdogs in that whole entire hockey's playoffs and yeah I don't want to talk about it too much but it was definitely like one of the more sad heartbreaking moments in my sport oh, definitely. I don't history. blame it <laughs> if it makes you feel any better we had that exact same feeling one game later in the NCAA tournament <laughs> yeah yeah so it is what it is. But well, at least you guys I, got I, a national championship last year, so it doesn't make it as heartbreaking. Exactly. Well, like yeah, we won't talk, we'll talk about that the rest of our life. Seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of lead in with um, these two teams have been playing very good, close games against each other of late, and we're hoping for more of the same. And I guess it's a good um, segue into a little conversation I wanted to have about UConn's new arena. We've been mm-hmm. pretty critical on it um just hearing the news when it was first announced how small it's going to be um how much money it costs for that size um and obviously there's rules in place in hockey east to um of certain capacity minimums and um, they're getting a waiver uh, for being less than that minimum so um, i'm assuming you were there last weekend for it was it was a lot of fun yeah Yeah, i I imagine it's going to be another celebratory kind of atmosphere still looking for their first win there um just looking to get your thoughts on the arena i don't think evan and i are going to be able to get there um just because there's not enough seats and they're not selling tickets to away fans so um any any information you could give us about the building let's hear it yeah the building's really nice um which i'll I'll start off with that um i think one of the reasons why it's so expensive is because they want to make the facilities as top-notch as possible because i think a lot of people sort of lose sight that part of the reason the building's supposed to help get big recruits to come to yukon and the building's super nice, and I feel like UConn's definitely going to get some big recruits coming there in the near future, which is, I think, good. And then I think it's going to help the team get better as well, because if you saw the old practice facility that they had on campus, it was definitely it definitely needed an upgrade. So from that perspective, I'm looking forward to it. But the new arena is super nice. One of the things I like about it is it feels like you're right on top of the action, which is those type of arenas I really enjoy. And it feels – it's. The atmosphere is fantastic. The one thing that I didn't like about Hartford was students really couldn't go to games since it was such a long drive. And now that students can finally go to games, the atmosphere definitely feels more like a college hockey game. And one thing that I love about Mullen Center is the student section is usually incredible. Like I went to a UMass BC game a couple of years ago and they're chanting daddy's money, chirping the goalie. Like I love that stuff. Like that was a lot of fun. And that's something that I'm looking forward to with the new rink is just how good the atmosphere is going to be and just how like intimate you are with the game because you're right on top of it. And obviously it looks really nice because it's brand new. Um, but like you said, obviously it's very small. It's the second smallest rink in hockey. East. Merrimax rink is a few hundred seats smaller. I would like mm-hmm. to add that. But at the same time, like you're UConn, you shouldn't be having the same size as Merrimack because like you're a much Mer- bigger school. Merrimack's bar is not high. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that, that exactly. is the bare minimum. Like, uh-huh. It's basically a high school rink. Like, yeah, yeah we, we have our own opinions on the, the Lawler Arena, as they call it, or Lawler Rink, whatever it's called. Yeah, but... Yeah, but- I think that's, I think there's definitely room to add more seats to it, which I think they're going to have to do at some point, especially if, um, but I'm kind of interested to see how it all plays out as the years progress. Cause once the new shine wears off on the new rink, 
with a capacity thing being big issue because one thing about Mullins, I love the arena, but it's way too big for a hockey game. And Definitely. Sometimes some, and you see it with Aganis, you see it with UNH. There's a lot of these rinks that are way too big. And I think one of the reasons why they made it so small was so they can get a good crowd for each game. And that's something that I, I understand. But at the same time, I think the perfect rink for UConn would have been what Providence has, like 3,600 yeah. seats or what yep. Sacred Heart just built, something like around those lines. If they made it like that, then I would have totally like, yeah, that's perfect. Like people might say that's too small, but I think that's, you're going to get fans to any fan that wants to go can go. And unfortunately with the rink size now, that's not the case, mm-hmm. but it's going to be interesting to see how season tickets work next year and how the, all that stuff works. And I wish the UConn media would be a little more like transparent about that and a little just like ask like, why is it so small and all that? I feel like they sort of like try to try to lean you to the other direction. Like, Oh, the arena's nice. Don't worry about the capacity. So. Exactly. But it's a really nice rink. I'm very fortunate to be able to go there uh, for the rest of the year and hopefully in the future. And then I'm excited for what's to come with it because I think it's going to be a big thing for this program to have a lot of success. Yeah, just looking at photos of it, it gives me vibes of, I don't know if you've been to Quinnipiac's rink. I have not. Kind of like that intimate, like kind of vertical. It reminds me of Providence a little bit. The one thing I hate about Providence Mm -hmm. rink is people like walk in front of you all the time and there's some bad seats. All the sight lines are off there. But the sight lines, it's so it's like a better version of Providence rink with some better sight lines. So that's the, that by do one thing I like about Providence rink is how you're on top of like the action and UConn is very similar. And I'm assuming it's similar to Quinnipiac's as well. Yeah, that sounds super encouraging. I mean, like I said, it would be really awesome if we could, you know, go there. Like I'm looking on StubHub right now. Um, seventy-two bucks a ticket is yeah. the minimum, and <laughs> it it goes all the way up to one twenty. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we, I've definitely had more expensive hockey tickets in my life. Yeah, have you seen those spent... fees at Aganis? Maybe that might be uh, more expensive. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> saw honestly, it last week. Yeah, it, it was yeah. really bad. Yeah, I mean, granted, I've literally flown over the Atlantic Ocean to watch UMass play. So, I mean, maybe in in the grand scheme of things, this is chump change. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure. Seventy two bucks. That's pretty steep. You know, I mean, I, I went to New York Atlantis to price. see UConn lose six to nothing. So I understand <sighs> that feeling. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely. UMass has had some pretty bad games and I feel like 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 the Providence series like I was sitting there I'm like I paid money to watch this like what is going on here yeah it's tough but yeah I mean hopefully I definitely want to get down to that arena at some point it does look very very nice um definitely looking forward to it that'll be a really cool one to check out yeah we don't uh play this card very often but if uh if anybody out there has any way that we can get tickets to this game um we already tried to um apply for media credentials for this game and we haven't heard back so um we're trying hard to get to this game to get an arena review for you guys uh, and it's proving difficult so if anybody has any ways out there that we can get in let us know we'd be uh more than happy to hear it all right so uh yeah that's i think everything we have should be a really fun series against UConn any clothing thoughts from either of you about this one anything you still want to get off your chest looking for revenge we we did forget about last year the way you took our, our seniors that was very sad to see and uh we're looking for revenge that's from the UConn perspective and all yeah. good fun though <laughs> oh yeah and from the from the all good fun UMass perspective we're looking for literally anything just mm-hmm. please give us a little bit of excitement you know I just feel like we've been in a rut for a while I just want to see some sort of encouraging signs. Like this is a big I, momentum series because both teams 100%. have been struggling heading in. So I'm, yeah. and I think this is a good series for both teams to sort of turn things around for the second half, because I don't know if each team will make it in the at-large pairwise. I think you, obviously you kind of have a better chance than UMass does, but 
at least try to give your team sort of a run and a head off, head off in the playoffs and a good feeling having home ice. And this is big series that will determine that for sure. Yeah. At this point, I don't even care if we win the games. I just want to see encouraging, you know, just growth and improvement. Mm -hmm. Like if we can just, you know, play better defense, more, you know, less mistakes, you know, more goals. I think that's going to be the huge thing. If we can at least, I would much rather us lose a game six, five than freaking two to one again. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's been super frustrating. The lack of goal scoring. I, really just want an exciting game. You know, I just want high action. It seems like we've just been not really doing our thing offensively. So if we can show much more improvement and at least get on some sort of positive track once again, that's huge for us. Cam, it looked like you were about to say something as well. Yeah, I just want to say UConn has way more to lose in these games than UMass does. Yep. At this point, UMass really doesn't have anything to lose this year. It's just like Evan said about improvement. Um, if you're UConn, you really want to get these conference wins and uh, assure yourself some stability and footing in the hockey's playoffs. So um, especially with the, the pressure of their new building, too, um, hoping maybe UMass can capitalize on that, if anything, just yeah. the stress of having um, more on these games for UConn. So. All right. Thank you guys again for listening. Um, a little bit longer preview episode, but it was cool to get the the UConn perspective. We haven't gotten the uh, um, the other team's perspective in a preview episode. So uh, I definitely like the, the like that for sure. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Um, your input has been huge. Um, and we're looking forward to probably seeing you at, at Mullins at least this weekend and uh, some games going forward, maybe the hockey's playoffs again. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you guys as well at Mullins. It should be a lot of fun and yeah, this should be exciting series. And thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. And thank you for having us on your show as well. Um, And like we always say, go UMass, Evan, send us all. Go UMass, take care everybody. And let's get some improvement going into this series. All right, let's do better.